Residential Lighting Specialist to Arc Residential Welcome to Residential Tech Talks. I'm Jeremy Glowacki, Executive Editor of Residential Tech Today. In this episode, I'm joined by Bjorn Jensen, the CEO of Y Reboot, a South Florida-based company that specializes in creating commercial-grade networks for residential, commercial, and luxury marine environments. With so much stress being put on computer networks in our current environment of virtual meetings, online learning, and streaming home entertainment, it seemed like a great time to talk to someone who really knows how the backbone of a network for the home or business can be kept running efficiently and free from cyber attacks. Bjorn Jensen, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Jeremy. I'm really happy to be here. Well, so those who may be familiar with the company, but not so much about how it came to be, could you give a little bit of the backstory and how you came to form Why Reboot as a company? Yeah, so I, I always had a deep love for home automation and was really interested in it and thought that I was going to start the first home automation company ever and didn't realize that people had already been doing it for like 30 years. <laughs> okay. So I, I was um, I was the IT manager of a place in South Florida where we did uh, networks for uh, hospitals, law firms, health insurance companies, that sort of thing. And I always professed my love for home automation to people. And so one day, uh, one of the office managers for a large um, doctor's office uh, told me that her husband worked at a home automation company and he wanted to speak with me because they wanted to offer me a position as the IT director. Mm. So I jumped at the chance. Um, he came over and we talked for a little bit and uh, turns out I was going to be taking a pay cut, but I, I took it anyway because that was kind of the field that I wanted to get into. And, and, and then what, I realized- about, about what year was this? Just so we have a kind of a timeline. 2003, maybe? Okay. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, it was a while ago. And then um, it, I started realizing that what I was doing for them there, you know, networking was kind of just starting to, to become a, a big thing in the industry. Crestron was, was recommending using Linksys WAP54Gs for, for the wireless, for the network. And these, these devices just weren't cutting it. You know, especially for large scale Crestron systems, it just wasn't cutting it. So I started to use what, what I knew, you know, I was putting in Cisco access points, Cisco switches, you know, enterprise grade stuff and managing the traffic a little bit better. And we would see instantly everything ran better. Mm -hmm. So I started thinking, you know, why just work for this one company and do this for them when I could keep them on as a client and start offering this service to, to other companies. And so luckily through... Yeah, I mean, that was a, a tough decision. You know, I, I, I just had a, a, a baby boy, you know, and now I'm completely leaving what I'm doing and starting my own company. Um, it was definitely a, a tough decision and it was very stressful. But in the end, it worked out well. I mean, I, I luckily had, you know, the one client, which was where I used to work. Um, they were gracious enough to, to understand what I was trying to do and, and kept me on. And then a lot of the Crestron programmers that we've been working with, the CAPES, they basically they knew that their systems, their programs worked better on our networks. So they started telling, you know, whoever, whatever integrators they were dealing with, hey, you know, if you have trouble with your network, hey, it's not our program. You know, it's not the program, it's the network. Use mm -hmm. this guy. Okay. And so we started to kind of pick up more clients that way. And just through word of mouth, we've, we've managed to grow um, quite a bit over the years. So just so I understand and listeners understand that your 
not so much manufacturing or creating products, but you're using the best in class kind of products to pull together um, a system for a specific installation that is robust enough and secure enough to handle the the amount of traffic for that particular um, home or business, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I basically look at it as, you know, if you buy a router from Cisco, let's say, you know, they, they get the screws from China, they get the chips from Japan, they get, you know, the, the housing from Korea, and they put it all together as one thing, sell it with a manual and sell it with a certain amount of support, you know, so that's, we're doing that on kind of a macro scale, where we're taking all the individual pieces, we're taking the firewall from SonicWall, we're taking the switching from Ruckus, access points from Ruckus, and we're putting it together as one full system, pre-configured with support, you know, all, all uh, white glove just taken care of for you, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, you know, that includes design as well, um, including heat maps. I and mean, we, we try to take care of everything to make it as stupid, simple for people as they want. But we'll also sell parts. You know, we don't just sell the whole system. Mm-hmm. We can also sell just wireless if you want. Or, you know, let's say Crestron, not to bring them up again, but <laughs> maybe someone's doing an NVX system, you know, and, and they don't really know how to do that. Or their, their bandwidth requirements are a lot more than what they're used to handling. Um, so we'll just do the switching side, you know, maybe do a switch stack for a large NVX system, or we'll just do the firewall if someone's interested in network security, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it's any, any of those pieces or the whole thing, but we try to maintain, to be laser focused on, on core networks and not going outside of that. You know, we don't do backup systems. We don't do phones, okay. you know, it's just, just the core. And I know in the early years of networks being a part of, uh, home entertainment systems that, you know, it, no one would, everyone was entertainment focused. They were home theater experts or video experts, that type of thing, audio uh, acoustics, but networking was just a foreign language for a lot of companies. And I know that's evolved and they're a lot better, um, well-rounded companies now, but do you have like regular co- um, relationships with integrators that just hire you for any certain size job then, and you just design their network or are you kind of, is it just very specific to, I guess, the size or something that you're typically having having to be called in for? Um, it depends. So it kind of runs across the full spectrum. We have some people that use us for everything. They're just like, you know what? We don't want to deal with it. We want you to deal with it. Yeah. And they see a value in that, that even though there is a certain you know, price point to get into one of our networks, mm-hmm. um, they end up saving a lot of money in, in troubleshooting, truck rolls, you know, frustration for the client, frustration for themselves. It's just better just to make sure that that works. And then you can worry about all the other things and not have to worry about the network. Then we get people that, you know, they'll use something on on a lower end for most of their jobs. And then for (laughs) the bigger jobs, they pull us in, you know, or it's something where someone has a very specific use case and what their guys are used to dealing with. They don't know how to do that. So they're trying to do something they've never done before. And they know that we can take care of it for them. You know, we see so many different network devices, so many different things, working with so, so many integrators mm-hmm. um, that it kind of increases our, our education above what somebody would see if they're just pigeonholed in one company all the time, you sure. know, because they're seeing the same products, the same way of doing things all the time. We're seeing people doing things all over the place and it, it helps us. It helps us also then for some new product comes in and we're like, Oh, okay, well that's like this product that we saw over there. So Mm -hmm. we can, we can try to figure out ways to ways to fix that. And you, uh, I mentioned in the intro that you are commercial residential and luxury Marine Marine, which is actually, you know, part of where you are based. Um, there's, 
yachts and things like that down there, right? So what, um, how much are you doing on the commercial side versus resi? And how often does the marine thing come up? Marine thing doesn't come up as often as it used to. Um, not sure why, uh, but it's, it's, not, it's never really been a big focus of ours. It's just okay. kind of fun to deal with when, when it does come up. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing with commercial. You know, originally I didn't want to do commercial at all. I mean, I shunned it just because it's no fun. You know, it's, it's easy <laughs> money. You can get in there and, and most of the time they have their own IT departments as well. Yeah. And it's just, it's very simple, but it's, it's really no fun. Um, I really like this industry. That's why I wanted to get in the home automation industry, you know? Um, so unfortunately, the world doesn't work that way. And, and, you know, our clients also do businesses mm -hmm. and they like what we were doing for the home stuff. And, and then some of the homeowners also, they want their offices done. Um, the same way. So we kind of got dragged into it. And at this point, it's just, yeah, we'll do it, you know, whatever you want. It's no fun. But I, I just I have trouble saying no to to good partners. You know, I mean, we, we love our partners. They're awesome. So many of them are so good at what they do. And I just I, I can't say no to them. <laughs> so, so not fun in what way on the commercial side? Um, I don't know. It's just boring. There's <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, you're dealing with file servers and, and, you know, people's QuickBooks accounts and, and just, you know, no fun devices. I mean, even even a thermostat can be fun. You know, mm -hmm. you're not really seeing that in a, in a business space. I mean, sure, they add them in there, but it's just not as many bells and whistles. You know, right. you don't feel like like you're creating something cool. You're feeling like you're just creating some, some rubber stamp thing that's the same everywhere. Yeah. So, I know that you're putting together pieces to make a system, but uh, you have created some pro products, some problem solvers. I, I remember specifically at an HTSA meeting, you called me to, you know, come check you out at, at your little setup table and you'd created a fairly low tech, but very problem solving storage um, container for the end ceiling, um, hiding a wireless access point, I think it was. Um, yeah. Have you done some of that, you know, more inventive, creative stuff as well along the way with your company? Not since that one. Oh, okay. um, I had no idea what I was getting into bringing a product to market. I mean, mm. it's really, you know, I was warned. I was warned, first of all, how much it was going to cost. And I didn't believe it. I was like, well, it's just a box in the ceiling. You know, how much yeah. could that really cost? Um, it costs a lot. <laughs> it's crazy oh, um and just the legal stuff behind it and you know tooling manufacturing shipping tariffs i mean all oh. these things i never had to deal with F figuring out what your hs code is for the tariff that's coming in i mean it's been a huge learning experience it's amazing i mean if i had a ton of capital there's so many things i, I would want to create but um you know this was this was my baby just because you know we, we do a lot of heat maps in fact we do uh, we're the only company in the world that that does predictive analysis for homes to be Wi-Fi certified by the Wi-Fi Alliance. Okay. So we do a lot of heat maps um, every week. And so, you know, we also offer that as a free service to our partners. Um, you know, to this company, we don't offer it for free, but for our partners that are using our systems, we, we do it for free. And, you know, they're always asking us to hide APs and closets or behind TVs or things like that. And then we give them the heat map and they're like, well, why are there so many APs? It's like, well, if I move the APs out into the open, you're going to have, you're going to use less, you know? Mm. So you're selling less APs, but that's better because the customer gets a better end user experience because the AP is closer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's already such a high ticket item. It's 
better to to make it less expensive for them so they don't gripe about it and they don't cheapen out on it. Right. Um, and then you can sell more systems overall, you know, instead of just trying to sell a bunch of APs in, in one. And so I looked all over the place for a solution to get the APs out in the open to satisfy homeowners, satisfy designers that just don't want to see anything. You know, they're okay yeah. with seeing a, a smoke alarm, but you put an access point up there and the whole world's melting down, you know? <laughs> so there was nothing, you know, there's a few companies out there that do commercial ones that are for commercial, you know, where you can still see the access points, see the LEDs, because they want to be able to see that stuff. Hmm. Nothing that would really hide it. Nothing that was universal. Yeah. Because normally when you get one of those mounts, there's a bracket made specifically for whatever access point you're using. You know, so you have to buy the, the bracket that goes into the mount and then you have to screw it in and, you know, you're still sitting on a ladder holding your arms up and arms getting tired trying to align things in. And I figured there's got to be a better way. So I came up with a ratcheting system that uses Dyneema cables, which is stronger than steel by weight and stronger than, than Kevlar. That basically you just put the access point in you turn a knob and it tightens the cables around around the device. So any shape of device, any size, um, it just holds it in place. And there's a there's a tension um, spring in the back to make sure that it doesn't lose, you know, tightness over time. Mm -hmm. uh, also on luxury marine or something like that. So that even earthquake, you know, it's it's not going to come down. Okay. And so basically, a, a technician can go back in a year or two years, service the AP or replace it with a completely different model in less than a minute with no tools. Because it's got a magnetic cover, it's also paintable. Yeah. Just pull the cover down, unlock the the mechanism, and the the Dyneema loosens. You pull the AP out, put another one in, ratchet it back up, pop the cover up, and you're done. And so you are, despite all the tr challenges of having a manufactured product, you're still putting these in the systems that you're designing. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. We, we have a few going out today. Okay. And we still have uh, thousands left because we were actually, um, Lennar Ventures was very interested in it. Uh, okay. We showed them the prototype and they were like, we've been looking for this forever. We want this in every single one of our homes. And so, you know, they were going to, they do like a hundred thousand homes a year, you know? Mm -hmm. So we were thinking, great, you know, so to keep costs down per unit, you know, you have to manufacture more. Uh, so we manufactured a lot. And then once it was ready, we went to them and they said, oh, we have to cut costs everywhere. And this is the first thing to go. No, oh, no. So, yeah. But, you know, um, learning experience, definitely. And we do have a great product. I mean, it's it's the best access point mount on the market by far. Um, it works really well and people love it. And it's not just for access points. Um, Screen Innovations is now using it for their their Z-Wave uh, gateway as well. Mm -hmm. They're selling it on their website under a different name, but that's that's our product. Oh, cool. Um, okay. People are using it for cell antennas. Some people put switches in there. Hmm. Um, some guy tells us he puts his, he hides his gun in there. Oh, <laughs> you <know>? okay. <laughs> I mean, whatever. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's it as long as you can pretty much anything. move that inventory, right? Whatever it takes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Bjorn, um, I, I want to dive into what you were like as a kid because we always do that. But first, we need to take a short break. Thanks for listening to Residential Tech Talks. Today's episode is brought to you by Sony. Sony's OLED TVs and Master Series meet the strict criteria of the top engineers and makes beautiful images a reality. Their 4K HDR TVs pair the brilliance of 4K with the brightness, color, and detail of high dynamic range. See how every scene comes to life with extraordinary realism. Discover a new level of immersive cinematic audio at home with Dolby Atmos and acoustic surface audio 
you'll enjoy three-dimensional surround sound that takes your breath away. See everything new from the world of Sony USA, including electronics, the new PlayStation 5, movies, music, and TV shows. Visit www.sony.com to learn more. Welcome back. I'm talking to Bjorn Jensen from Why Reboot. Um, you are a bit of a tinkerer, as you've said. Were you like that as a kid as well? Were you kind of like the kid that takes apart toys and other things? Or That's exactly exactly the kind of kid I was. Yeah, yeah. Un unscrewing everything. And then, you know, unfortunately, most of the time I put it back and it wouldn't work anymore. But uh, of course, that, that's how I learned things is by mm -hmm. breaking them. And then that's how I learned computers, really, was by breaking it and fixing it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's helped me out over the years. But yeah, certainly I've I've always wanted to to create things. So that's kind of you, what's led me here. And your creative side turned into um, working with computers and animation, right? You were doing some stuff in high school. Yeah, so I loved computer animation. And this is, you know, I remember when, when Terminator 2 came out, and I was like, oh my God, I know how they do that, you know? Um, I actually, I was, I was the, the videographer, we're not the, the video editor for our school. We, we had a brand new school TV station. Cool. And so I actually made an animation, an intro animation as well. Um, I was using an Amiga 4000 computer. I don't know if you know what those are. Uh, yes. I had the new, so what I really wanted was the new tech video toaster, which was responsible for TV shows like Sequest, um, Babylon 5. They'd never been able to make TV shows a weekly show with computer animation before uh, just because the computers that were required it would just take way too long to render the frames but an Amiga could do it and with the video toaster you could do it now I never got my hands on my own video toaster because they're really expensive I remember I got a, a memory upgrade for my computer that was some ridiculous amount of money for like eight kilobytes of memory um, but I managed to to kind of get a job at Miami-Dade Community College after school where they would let me use their computers with the video toaster if I would help teach the class. Because the Jeez. professor was teaching it from a book and I actually knew how to do this stuff. Okay. And so it was great. You know, they would let me use the gear. I would just, if someone raised their hand, I'd go and like help them out and help the uh -huh. students out. And uh, they would actually render all my stuff for me as well onto Betamax, which I didn't have a Betamax uh, player. So I've got all these tapes at home that I can't do anything with, but <laughs> I thought it was really cool, you know? Yeah, that that's a super cool experience and uh, rare opportunity for a high school kid. Um, yeah. But but yet, um, I saw in your bio that you went on to Florida State and studied business instead of going into like a tech, uh, I, I guess uh, like an engineering you know degree or something like I'd think you'd probably go into or maybe computer science. So yeah. uh, that having a business degree sounds like a brilliant idea if you can handle it. But uh, why why that decision as opposed to studying tech? I should have studied tech. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I really should have, because then I would have been interested in it. Um, school just didn't interest me. And uh, okay. That's I, yeah, I, I couldn't get out of there fast enough. Um, <laughs> it, it, it was definitely a, a mistake. Um, there's so many interesting classes I could have taken that would have really piqued my interest and mm. really, uh, you know, at the same time, if I had done that, I would probably be working for somebody else now. Sure. Um, in a job that, that may or may not be as fulfilling. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, really, I have no regrets because I'm doing everything that I want to do right now. You know, when I was a kid, I used to always think it'd be so cool if you had a job where people just send you cool stuff to test. Yeah. You know, like cool gadgets and things like that. 
I'm living that life right now. <laughs> so it's, it's awesome. You know, it, it, it's great. Yeah. I mean, venturing out on your own and creating a business, um, when you had a, a job, that's a huge risk, like you said. And, and the fact that maybe you had a little bit of that background in school to know how a business should be run. Maybe I don't have a business degree, so maybe yeah. I'm over <laughs> giving it too <laughs> no. much credit, but, yeah, but I no. wouldn't have the guts to do it. Maybe you just were, were you know, insane at the time or something. But. <laughs> well, I figured it was, it was now or never, you know, yeah. um, sure. either I'm going to be continuing doing this, working for somebody else, um, or I'm going to go out on my own, do my own thing. And, you know, that way, because there's always pluses and minuses to having your own business, right? Mm -hmm. um, it would be so nice sometimes to just be able to, you know, five o'clock, that's it, go home, not worry about anything. The weekends, don't worry about anything, you know. Um, but then my destiny is always in someone else's hands. Even if I have a boss mm -hmm. that I love, you know, they could screw up. They could do something that through no fault of my own, now I'm out of a job. Yeah. This way, if the company fails, it's, it's my fault. You know, I did mm. something wrong. Sure. Um, and so it's all up to me. And so that way I don't have to rely on somebody else for that. Although I do rely on my wife more and more every single day. You know, she started working as like a part-time thing, um, just doing taxes and things like that. Okay. And then doing billing every once in a while. Now she's full-time. We need to find her some help as well. Mm. <laughs> well, you've got low overhead, it looks like. So that's, uh, that's, that's a smart thing. Not too many mouths to feed, right? Oh, yeah, well, it's helps. it's growing. We actually just hired another guy as well who's starting on Monday. Okay. Um, so it's, you know, we've tried to grow organically mm. uh, and not, you know, it's, it's interesting. People always ask us why we're not at, at Cedia, why we don't have a booth. And what a lot of people don't know is we actually had a virtual booth this year at Cedia, but not under Why Reboot, because I don't want people to to come to our booth and we all of a sudden get a ton of of people all at once. It was actually under Paramount for the access point mount. Mm. And we didn't mention our name at all um, because I'm worried that we'll pick up too many people. And, you know, what we sell is support, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, anyone can sell the products. We're selling the design configuration support. And so if we get an influx of new clients, you know, something's going to break somewhere. Um, we just won't be able to give the same level of support that we give now. So it's better just, you know, grow organically little by mm. little. And uh, I mean, we've been growing pretty much exponentially since, since the inception about 10 years ago. Okay. So, you know, I, I don't see a need to explode and, and take on a million new clients and then let our, our reputation suffer. Sure. You know, it's, it's better to do it this way. So one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you was the challenges of on the network since the quarantine started, the global pandemic um, challenges of everyone's on Zoom calls and doing, you know, remote learning and that type of thing. Have you seen changes to what is required of your clients' networks since like March when things really got crazy? I don't think there's been changes to requirements. I think there's been changes into people realizing they need something else. The requirements have always been the same. Um, they're kind of realizing now, hey, you know, this with all these extra people on the network, you know, schooling from home, working from home, uh, we just need to, to really get a full upgrade. Not to mention you have people that were li living in New York in the city. And then when this happened, they escaped the city to their houses in the Hamptons or wherever, and they never really needed a full network over there. And now they're trying to relax and live there and they're, they're really seeing the need. So I mm -hmm. think, you know, it's, it's, it's just people's perceptions have changed. Okay. Yeah, that's a fair, fair way to say it. One of the things that really came up a lot prior to COVID was cybersecurity. It just seemed like cyber attacks were 
were the big story on the network side. And I don't know if we've got, we're distracted with COVID to the point where we're not talking other than the election, which it did come up, but are you still seeing a lot of, um, is there stuff out there happening that we don't know about that's not getting covered or is it pretty quiet right now, but you're still doing what you do to protect the networks that you work on? Um, it's, it's happening every day. I mean, there are more threats every single day than there ever were before. It's just, you know, what does the news shine the spotlight on? You know, it depends yeah. on what they want to make you scared of today. You know, yeah. I'm sure tomorrow there'll be a reason for them to do it and, and they'll shine the spotlight, but unless there's a reason they don't really do that. Yeah. Nothing's really shut down though. Like we've had some in the past where, where you've lost your access to services because there's been a, been a big attack, right? This is not right. something that we've seen lately, but, but you're uh, in your job and part of it being somewhat of cybersecurity, you, you still, you have to be vigilant all the time, obviously. Um, what are some of the best practices still that, um, you know, I, I, it seems like it's always very basic things like don't, uh, you know, click on attachments and things that, you know, it makes, it's obvious to me, but at the same time, if someone's really clever and you're dealing with someone that's maybe not as savvy, they could easily fall prey to a, um, to an attack, a phishing scheme or something like that. Mm -hmm. What would you say, and not too deep of a long answer, but what would you say some of the best practices still are for cybersecurity, just in action or protecting the network that you created? Um, I mean, there's always the the low hanging fruit, right? The the easy things that you should be doing every day to try to protect yourself. Like you know, like you said, you hear the same things all the time. Strong passwords. Yeah. You know, try not to do any port forwarding if you can. Um, but you know, there's other things now. Like you know, you really want a layered approach. So a simple mm -hmm. firewall, the gateway might not be protecting you um, completely. It, it never will com completely protect you. You know, um, you also want to have some kind of uh, system on whatever device you're using as well. You might want to use uh, certain DNS servers that clean traffic as well. You know, um, you can't just take one of these things and think you're protected. It really kind of needs to be everything all at once. And even then, the the biggest hole is is the user themselves yeah. from something like a phishing scam or something like that. Um, that's always going to be. I mean, if I was trying to hack into some major corporation. I wouldn't try to hack in through their firewall. I would try to hack in through a user. Mm. And and it, can you get can you basically create a strong network with good security and be good for a little while, or do you really need to have a specialist that's always checking on the network just to make sure nothing is happening? Because I think you know high net worth people probably do have that you know relationship with their integrator or their network specialist that comes in and checks on things but your average consumer um it seems like we barely can keep our networks going you know and and we don't have a clue what to do with the the you know security side of it so it seems like it's a moving target is that kind of it, the case it's always a moving target um yeah. and and that's part of the problem is that you know a lot of our networks don't have the security um, services on them because it tends to be very expensive. You know, these mm -hmm. are enterprise grade devices. And for instance, SonicWall, they don't make their money on the appliances they sell. They make it on the security services mm -hmm. and they have teams of people, you know, checking new threats all the time, um, checking out how, how they work, how to protect against them, how to clean these things. Um, and so the security services are really what, provides the, the biggest amount of protection 
they're expensive. You know, they're yearly, three-year, five-year subscriptions. Okay. They're very expensive. Um, I do have it in my office. I do have it in my house because I, I believe in it. Mm. Um, Sonicwell actually has a pretty cool feature uh, that's sandboxing that not a lot of other uh, vendors have, which th theirs is called Capture ATP. What happens is if a signature hits the firewall that it's never seen before, and it checks its local database, doesn't see it, checks the worldwide database, doesn't see it, it'll send it up to the cloud to explode on every operating system from Linux, Mac, iOS, Android, you know, everything, even at the processor level to see if it's a threat. If it's a threat, it blocks it. If it's not, it allows it through. So mm -hmm. it'll actually stop zero day threats like ransomware that someone changed a little bit so that it won't be seen by a regular antivirus program. Okay. Um, and it works even on encrypted traffic. So that's, it's a big, uh, it's a big thing, but you know, that's, that's a subscription um, fee that, that is a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow, especially if you're doing, you know, if you're trying to get gigabit internet. So now you have to have an appliance that's strong enough to have the horsepower to, to scan all these packets going in and out of the network um, at that speed. And yeah. that, that gets very expensive. Prices are coming down. I mean, to give you an idea, maybe six, seven years ago to get a, a firewall that could do that at gigabit speed, it was between 12 and $15,000, you know? And people would put that in their home sometimes too, because they want a redundant unit. Um, then, you know, a few years ago, it went down to about six to eight. Um, now it's dropped down even more, about half that. And actually we're about to be announcing some new models that are gonna drop down even further, which is so, great. So that's a hardware cost. And then there's a subscription price on top of that, or is that the- That's hardware and subscription together. Okay. Those prices that I was mentioning. And so if you're just doing without the security, the appliance is a lot less expensive because you're not needing something with the horsepower to scan all that traffic. Right. So if we just want to use the, the so Sonic wall has really good routing functionality and packet monitoring and things like that, um, that a lot of other devices don't have. Um, we have a lot of granular control over, over how traffic works. And so just the Sonic wall alone, just the appliance alone is worth its weight in gold to okay. me. Uh, but then adding the security services on top, give you that layer of security. But I mean, the other reason we use SonicWall is because they never break, <laughs> you know? Um, I've been using them since 2002 and we've only had a handful ever break. So we actually, we give a limited lifetime warranty on all of our indoor gear. SonicWall doesn't give that to us. You okay. know, Ruckus will, so if switch breaks, a limited lifetime warranty means as long as it's not end of life, you know, they'll replace it. Okay. SonicWall doesn't do that. They should because they never break. Hmm. So we'll pay for it out of our own pocket if it breaks because they don't break. So if it does, you know, I'll, I'll pay for it just to give our clients that, you know, warm and fuzzy feeling they're going to be taken care of no matter what. Sure. Well, one of the other things I wanted to touch on was Wi-Fi 6. It's been, you know, covered a bit. And uh, I've, I've read up a little bit on what the uh, added benefits are over 802.11ac and previous mod, um, you know, versions. So could you just uh, kind of go over what you, how you explain Wi-Fi 6 to clients and what the advantages and, you know, updates are to it? Yeah. So, hey, one, one advantage that consumers will like is that uh, with tar uh, target wake time, is a new feature in there that, that basically allows the, the devices to not spend a lot of energy um, scanning the network. Um, and what that's going to do is, is increase battery life um, a lot on your devices. Not having to get a new device, just your existing device. You know, if it is Wi-Fi 6 compatible, um, it, your battery life is going to get better. 
uh, one of the biggest improvements is OFDMA, which basically allows, you know, in the past, wireless was always a half duplex medium where it was like a walkie talkie, you know, where if you want to talk, you have to wait for everyone else to stop talking, click the button, and then you talk, and then you release, and then you wait. That's what wireless was. And so if you were talking, you're using up that whole frequency while you're talking, right? No one else can use it. But that's a waste if someone's just sending a tiny bit of traffic and you've got maybe this much and then someone else has this much, but you've got all this frequency to use. So now with OFDMA, you can actually chop that up and allow all those people to talk with the amount of traffic that they need at the same time. So you can imagine how much that improves the speed of the network. Yeah. But for Wi-Fi 6 to be um, useful, um, you have to switch out all of your wireless access points and that sort of thing, or how? Yes. Yeah. So that's that's what I keep telling people about why they should spec it now anyway, is because it's going to be kind of the gift that keeps on giving. So right now you're going to get a boost in performance just because the kind of modulation, you know, 802.11ac used uh, 256 QAM which is quadrature amplitude modulation. Now we have 1024 qualm. So it just has, um, much more, well, it, ju it, ju it just adds a bunch of speed, um, okay. to the network. The problem is, is that modulation doesn't work well over distances. So you really want to get your APs closer okay. um, to the devices to see those upper end speeds, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but what's going to happen is as more devices are compatible, and you start getting rid of those legacy devices, um, you're going to be able to see that performance because now devices are going to be able to talk within the same channel space. Okay. And that's going to be, I mean, it's just going to keep getting better and better as it goes. Okay. Well, and so the last topic that I really wanted to touch on was 5G and everyone's hearing commercials about 5G and it seems like it's already happening and our phones say it's there, but it's not really. And, um, you know, I, I've heard that it's going to be great for uh, autonomous vehicles someday. And I just wonder what your take is on really what, what we're going to see most in the near future with 5G as it rolls out in certain areas of the country. And will it be useful in the home? You know, will it replace the need for having Wi-Fi or will we still kind of want to have a local sort of network and then 5G is really just for out, outside the home? Well, I mean, if you take from me, uh, I'm always going to want a private network. So my cameras at home, they're not connected to the cloud. They're all, and there's no port forwarding. You can only access it through a secure VPN. Yeah. So, so sorry, I've, talking I've, is uh, making my throat tickle. Oh, I'm sorry. And that's why I keep drinking this water too. It's just trying not to, uh, not to cough. I'm like sitting here trying really hard, like don't cough. <laughs> I could sense that was happening. I was trying to give you a little longer time on my question, but I guess not long enough. Um, so, so that that that's clearly something I hadn't thought of, which is the secure the home security angle and in in general cybersecurity that you you wouldn't want to open up everything that you have on your phone to 5G, but uh, mm -hmm. your or, or on, in your network. So um, what, what would you say you see that 5G um, really being an impact on initially? Um, can you predict wh where the low hanging fruit is for 5G? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, well, I mean, I know gamers are gonna love it because- Oh, true, you know, true. I, I, I mean, pretty much anything that can take advantage of low latency, you yeah. know, uh, remote medical, remote okay. surgeries, things like that as well. I mean, anything that really 
is dependent on on low latency even yeah. phone calls video calls that sort of thing true yeah anytime that you're out and you need to make a connection and have it be faster and, and have no lag that's that makes perfect right. sense so real time with what you're doing you know if you think of a, a doctor that's doing surgery remotely and he's making a decision it needs to be doing exactly what he's doing remotely at the right time mm -hmm. you know you can't have any lag at all and that's that's really where 5g is going to be uh the big help here okay very cool um are you seeing it um in south florida being rolled out um i know i'm seeing some antennas around the midwest where i am um, what, what are you seeing there? Yeah, so I know that the uh, Miami International Airport has a rollout. Uh, the Miami Arena um, does as well. Okay. Um, or not the Miami Arena. What's it called? Uh, it's it's where the where the Heat play. I forgot the name at the moment. Oh, I've forgotten. I'm too, not a big sports guy, but the best. You just called the best NBA Arena in Miami. Yeah, that's yeah, right. <laughs> right. So those kind of uh, almost like localized sort of. It's it's like in a expanded wi-fi kind of scenario but you're just you're using 5g instead yeah i mean it's gonna be interesting to see the rollout because you need a lot more antennas all over the place yeah just because of the higher frequency yeah so that's gonna be uh be interesting they're they're not they're not as high uh, they're, they're they're a lower level they're not um like a cell tower they're like at a sign level, right? They're more visible. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just because you have to get it closer to the connected devices. So the way I explain this to people is, if you think about uh, frequencies, because the same is true for Wi-Fi, you know, the 2.4 gigahertz frequency goes a lot further than five gig. Um, it also permeates walls easier. The way to think about that is if you hear a car coming down the street blaring music, you hear the bass before you hear the mids and highs. So mm -hmm. you can hear the bass coming in, before you start hearing that, and that's uh, that's because you know the the higher the frequency is, it doesn't travel as far, and it also bounces off walls instead of going through them. Mm. Um, and so it's the same thing with with five G. You know, it's a higher frequency. You're going to need devices closer to it to get those faster speeds, and to be able to even reach the devices. Okay, so roll is going to take a while just because you're going to have to put up so many antennas for the for the network. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, uh, we won't put you on the spot any further on trying to predict the future for 5G, but I really appreciate uh, all your time today, Bjorn, and, and, and your throat needs a break, so we're going to wrap it up. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, man. You're good. No, no, it happens. Um, it's that time of year. So um, thanks, thanks so much for, uh, for giving us some insight into the network. No, thanks for having me. Really, this was a pleasure. Also, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Be sure to comment, share or subscribe to the podcast. And you can check out the, all the latest residential tech news at restechtoday.com. Until next time, please stay safe, stay inspired, and let us know if you have a great story to tell.